0: About a man that was teaching a Sunday school class, small children, and he was trying to convey to them how important it was that they had leadership in their life and that God had placed their parents in their life and teachers and pastors in their life and that they really needed to obey them and to be thankful for the instruction that they provide. And he took them to a passage of scripture that illustrates the fact that God calls us his sheep, right? And so what he was wanting to do is have them connect the dots that if they're the sheep that you you know, your parent, your your pastor, your teacher, they're like shepherds in your life. And so he, he said to the students in his class, he said, Hey, so you're the sheep, who's the shepherd? He's expecting them to point to him, but instead a little boy raised his hand and said, Jesus is the shepherd. Well, that's undeniable, right? I mean, Jesus is the shepherd, but that's not the answer that he was looking for. And so he asked the little boy, he said, that's right. You're the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. What does that make me? The boy thought about it a minute and he said, I guess that makes you the old sheepdog." <laughs> so I want you to hear from the old sheepdog here today. What an introduction that was between that Sunday school teacher and that class. Uh, we're in this series of messages called introductions and we're talking about how important introductions are, especially God's introduction of himself to us. And in week one, we began to look at the fact that God longs for us to know him. Aren't you thankful for that? God longs for you to really know him. In fact, it meant so much to God that we as humanity would know him that he stepped into our humanity. He made a covenant with a man named Abraham and began a relationship with him. He appeared in a burning bush to a guy named Moses and then later met with Moses on a mountaintop and gave him the laws that would govern his covenant people. He began to speak to his people through prophets. Uh, He showed himself strong on their behalf and he overthrew through kingdoms for them, just to demonstrate to them who he was. He was making his introduction. And then, of course, uh, that defining moment of his introduction is when he actually stepped into our humanity itself uh, through a thing we call the incarnation, through the virgin birth. Jesus, the Son of God, the second person of the divine trinity, uh, introduced God to the world by becoming one of us. What an amazing, amazing thing that God did to introduce himself to us. And then he made sure that we would have his word in written form, the Bible, anybody thankful for the Bible, so that we can know God through the scriptures and what they reveal. He, He went on to continue to introduce himself Uh, to people through reformations and revivals all all the way up to this very moment that we're in right now. I don't know if you're aware, I certainly am. His presence is right here today. Have you felt him in this service? My goodness, he's here today introducing himself to us. He wants us to know him. And God's introduction to humanity is an I am introduction. I know many of you are familiar with the story of Moses, and I alluded to it a moment ago, but Moses, of course, was an Israelite who was raised in the home of uh, the king of Egypt. And he saw one of his fellow Israelites being abused one day, and he stepped in and he intervened, and he killed the Egyptian man that was abusing his fellow Israelites. Israelite brother, and he knew he was in trouble, and so he fled, and now he's living in a desert, and all of a sudden, one day, he walks upon a bush that is on fire, but it's not being consumed, and God began to speak to him out of that burning bush. And he told Moses, you're going to be a leader for my people. And I want you to go and let my people know I am bringing them out from under the bondage of Egypt. And I want you to let Pharaoh know he is to let my people go. And then Moses asked God a question. He said, okay, but who do I tell them is sending me? We take up mid-conversation in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. In his introduction, Jesus introduces, God introduces himself to us as the great I am. And maybe you're here today and that's a little perplexing to you and you're, you're wondering, what does that mean? What do you mean? What does God mean when he says, I am? Well, I think all of us would admit that life is full of questions. You arrived on this planet with questions that you've many of you grappled with your whole life. We, we have all these questions. And I believe when God introduced himself, Through an I am introduction, I believe he was answering our questions. In other words, when we ask, who is the one that can help me? God said, I am. When we ask, who is it that really loves me? God answered by saying, I am. I am the one that loves you. When we ask, who is it that can heal me? Who is it that can free me, save me? God said, I am that great I am. When we ask the question, who can give me peace? Who can give me joy? Who can make my ends meet? God steps into all those questions and He says, I am that I am. For anyone here today with questions in your heart, for anyone watching online, you have questions in your heart. Who gives me purpose? Who can truly fulfill me? Today, God answers that question through His introduction I am. I am, I am that I am. I'm the one that will give you purpose. I'm the one that will fulfill your ever longing. Now, Jesus shows up, as I said, through the incarnation. And interestingly, he begins to introduce himself in the same way. There are a number of I am introductions on the part of Jesus all through the New Testament, but especially the gospel of St. John. Jesus uses that term that God had used with Moses. Jesus as the son of God, as God himself, as a part of the Godhead, he says, I am. And in week one, we looked at one of those introductions when Jesus said, I am the door. And we, we focused on that in week one, but I wanna continue on through these I am introductions that Jesus makes of himself to us. And I want us to focus on them today. And what we discover is that when Jesus says, I am, what he's saying to us is, he's saying, I am your satisfaction. All of us can relate to the Rolling Stones song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. I mean, we've all been there. We've all heard the song and said, you know, I hear you, Mick, right? (laughs) We live our lives with every effort to fill this void within us this emptiness inside of us and nothing can fill it. I I spent my whole young life looking to everything the world said was promising and it left me empty. But then I met Jesus and I found that he alone can really satisfy. And he says, that's who he is. He's the one who satisfies In fact, John six, verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Look, you arrived on this planet hungry, and no matter what you tried to fill your life with, it left you hungry, but Jesus will never leave you with that void in your life. He will satisfy the very hunger of your heart. Secondly, He's not only our satisfaction, He's our illumination. And don't sit there and pretend that you haven't grappled your way through life kind of groping in the darkness, trying to find your way. We all have. We all have experienced the darkness of this fallen world around us. And look at me, God doesn't want you living life that way. And so he introduces himself as our illumination in John chapter eight. And in verse 12, he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Did you hear what Jesus said to you in his his introduction he said, you don't have to walk in darkness because you'll have the light that leads to life. Today, Jesus wants to step into your life and turn the light switch on for you. He wants to illuminate your understanding of who he is and all that he has for you. He is our satisfaction. He is our illumination. He is our protection. There's danger all around us, and we know that. We live with that clear and present danger all around us. The threat of an enemy that Jesus said comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And there is that threat that looms over us daily, but we don't have to be afraid. Somebody say, thank God. Over and over and over and over throughout Scripture, the Bible says, fear not, fear not. God said he he sent his perfect love into our hearts to drive fear right out of our existence because the I am in his introduction says he's our protection. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 11, he said, I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I came to church to tell you, Jesus has got your back. Yeah, there's threats out there, but greater is he that's in us (laughs) than he that is in this world. He's our Protection, and he's our resurrection. This I am introduction reveals that he is... Our resurrection. You might not even realize you need it, but you desperately need resurrection. You need it here now, not just when you die. You need it right here, right now. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful that over 37 years ago, Jesus stepped into my life and he raised me out of the death and the depravity that I was living in. And he raised me to newness of life. And he absolutely can do that for you today. Here's what he said in John chapter 11, verse 25. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. We all exist under the reality that one day the heart's gonna stop beating. One day the breath is gonna leave our lungs. One day this life is going to be over. But I'm so thankful as a believer in the great I am. I don't fear that. In fact, I rejoice in the reality that as I step out of this life, I'm going to step into one that is eternal, where there's a home that God has prepared for me, where I am, he said, you may be also. Somebody say, thank God. He's my resurrection and he's my salvation. And we focused on this primarily in week one when we talked about the fact that he is the door. He's the way to the salvation that God has provided But it's it's worth repeating here today. It's worth looking at in John chapter 14 and verse 6. As Jesus makes his I am introduction, he says this, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Our whole world is out there looking for ways. Ways out of some circumstance they're in. Ways into something they think they need or desire. They're out there looking for a way. They're out there looking for truth. Now, The way they look at it, the way our fallen world looks at it, you're going to have your truth and they're going to have their truth and he's going to have his and she's going to have hers, But, but they're looking for some form of truth. Nobody wants to live a lie or live under a lie. So we look for ways, we look for truth and we definitely look for life. We try to manufacture it with all the things that, that, we, that we embrace in, in some way to find something to celebrate. But what's interesting is the great I am steps up to introduce himself to you. And he says, look, I am the way. And I am the truth, singularly. There's not a number of truths. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. He is our salvation. Can I get a better amen? And then then lastly, we see there in John's gospel, another one of these I am introductions. And Jesus introduces himself to us by letting us know he is our provision. He's our provision. All of us have needs. We live our lives with needs. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter how much you accumulate. Doesn't matter how much stuff you have, status you have. Come on, y'all. How many know even... With all of that, our need isn't limited just to the material. People that have got all the money in the world all the status in the world are still searching for the one thing that's missing. And Jesus said he is that one thing. He said, I am that I am. And he is our provision. And in John chapter 15, verse five, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Your life will be fruitful. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. God wants you to live a very productive, fulfilling, fruitful life. But that can only happen as you're connected to the great I am because he is the vine and we are merely the branches. Now, I heard a story once that I loved, and I want to share it with you. It was a missionary that was going on assignment down in South America to reach an unreached people's group there in the deepest, darkest jungles of that South American terrain. Uh, He knew that he would never be able to find their village on his own, and so he hired a guide. And for the first day or so, he could pretty much see the path that they were going along. He could see a trail through that very dense, dark jungle. But after a day or so, the, the evidence of a path, a trail, began to disappear to the point that he was really growing greatly alarmed. And finally, his fear overcame him, and he, and he reached up and he tapped his guide on the shoulder. His guide turned around and looked at him. He said, I I no longer see a trail. I, I, I don't I don't know. I can't tell where we're going. I no longer see a path. And the guide smiled real big. And he put his hand on his shoulder to reassure him. And he said this He said, At this point in the jungle, I am the path. What was he saying? I am the one with the knowledge to get you where you're going. I'm the one who's been where you've never been before and you've got to trust me. Can I tell you that there's a God that showed up in this room today. Jesus referred to him as such. He's the Holy Spirit. And I believe that he would put his hand on the shoulder of one today that's afraid because you don't know where life has taken you and you feel like you've lost your way and you can't see the path anymore. And I believe the Holy Spirit would smile over you in this moment and just let you know, you don't have to worry about that. I am the path. I'm gonna get you ready right where God is wanting to take you. Now, it's interesting to me that he chooses this introduction, I am that I am. Because in it, I think God's I am introduction declares his existence. And once again, we're not putting on any pretense today. We came to this planet with questions. And one of those questions that all of us has grappled with at one point or another is, is this all real? This, this that I've been told about a God that not only created all things, but actually cares for his creation. Is it all real? And and I think he steps up in the introduction to answer that question. When he says, I am that I am, I think he's saying to us, I am real. I'm not just a story. I'm not just a fairy tale. I'm not just a fable. I'm not just something somebody made up to make you feel better about things. I am that I am. I am real. I exist. And Hebrews chapter 11 verse six says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God must believe that he is, must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's where faith starts. Faith starts with that belief that he is that I am, that he exists uh, without beginning, without end, that he exists in great love and compassion towards us as his creation. We must believe that. And we, we must believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You know, we're, we're in an hour when the scientific community itself has reached a point of evolution where they have to concede that for the most part they have they have to concede that there's intelligent design behind everything we know in existence it, 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 they've reached a point with all of the discoveries that's been made where you can no longer pretend that 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 reality's not there. There was intelligent design behind it all. I'm not saying the scientific community is is aligning itself with the God of the Bible, a a God who's personable and loves us and has a plan for us. But listen, I mean, almost to the man, they're out there saying, yes, something was behind this. There's intelligence in all of this design. Well, listen, long before they came to that realization, the Holy Spirit inspired the psalmist to write this. In Psalm chapter 14, verse one, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's a foolish thing to dismiss the reality of the great I am. It's a foolish thing to do. And here's what happens when you do. The scripture goes on to say they are corrupt, their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. As soon as you dismiss God from the equation, all you're left with is darkness. All you're left with is questions. All you're left with is evil. And if you don't believe that, then look at the Stalins of the world in your history book and see what happened when he dismissed God from the equation. Look at the Hitlers of the world in history and see what happened as soon as they dismissed God from the equation. All the evil, all of the things that happened, all the atrocities were able to exist outside of An acknowledgement of a great I am who not only exists but will hold us accountable for our actions. Today, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that faith not only embraces the introduction of the great I am, in other words, faith doesn't just embrace the introduction of a God who exists. But it also embraces the reality of a God that satisfies us, illuminates us, protects us, resurrects us, saves us and provides for us who sincerely seek for. Somebody ought to be thanking God for that great I am and all that he is. Faith embraces that. Will you embrace that today? Will you embrace his introduction? He says, I am. Will you embrace that he is that I am? Listen, I, I, I need you to know this. And I'm, I, this is for somebody in this room or about watching online. You, you need to realize with me, he didn't say he was the great I was. He didn't say I am the great will be. We have a tendency to feel like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure God has stepped in and helped somebody in time past and We have a tendency to say, oh yeah, I believe that maybe one day God might step in and intervene, but he didn't introduce himself as the great I was. He didn't introduce himself as the great I will be. He said, I am that I am. He introduced himself in this moment. We've gotta quit living in the failures of the past. We've gotta quit living in the uncertainties of the future. And we've gotta embrace the one who introduces himself. As the I am. Listen to me. In Psalm chapter 141, I'm sorry, uh, in Psalm chapter um, 46 and verse 1, the scripture reveals who God is. It says God is our refuge. God is our strength. Anybody need some strength here today? Listen, but here's how God introduces our strength. God's our refuge. He's our strength. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. It's not about what he might do one day. It's not about what he did way back when. I grew up listening to the great revivals and reformations and I'm so thankful that we have a history of God intervening in people's lives. I grew up hearing about the great Azusa Street revival of the early 1900s. And I I gotta be honest with you, that's awesome. I'm thankful that we have that heritage. But I need something on my street right here, right now. I need God to show up in the here and in the now. And listen to Hebrews chapter 11, verse one. Hebrews 11, one said, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. We've always interpreted that to be the definition of faith. You wanna know what faith is? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I don't think that's all that passage is. I don't think it's simply a definition of faith. I think it's actually an appointment for faith. He said, now faith is. God wants to step into that moment you're in right now where you need him. He wants to step into the darkness you're experiencing right now and be your light and illumination. He wants to step into this moment and be that ever-present help. In your time of trouble, can you say thank God? God. Now, God's I am introduction is what he declared and it's what he expects us to declare. He says, I am that I am. So we must say, he is that I am. He expects that from us. How do you know that? Well, I want you to hear a conversation he had with his disciples, his followers. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, he asked them this question. What about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my father in heaven. The great I am illuminated your understanding, Peter. And then look at verse 18. I tell you, you're Peter and on this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, some have seen that as the appointment of the first Pope, but that's not at all what this is. Jesus wasn't at all saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. No, no, no. He was saying, I'm going to build my church on the revelation God gave you that I am that I am. I'm going to build my church on that revelation. God has given you that I am the great I am." Here's the benefits of that. You can read it right there in the passage I just shared with you. There's five of them. First of all, his blessing. Anybody want to be blessed? Amen. As soon as Peter embraced the introduction of the great I am, Jesus pronounced a blessing. He said, "Blessed are you, Peter. Blessed are you. I want to be blessed, don't you? Yes. Well, I've got to embrace him as my great I am. Secondly, The expansion of the church is a benefit of us embracing him as the great I am. When the church gets a revelation of who God really is, I'm telling you right now, we're going to reach the world. And his church is going to expand. And there are going to be people lining up to get into a service like this because God, through his church, will be revealing All that he promises, his illumination, his protection, his salvation, his resurrection, all those things. Number three, the demise of Satan's kingdom will be the benefit of us embracing him as the great I am. I'm telling you, as soon as we get it in our spirit, church, he is the great I am. We're going to defeat our enemy because greater is he that is in us than that one that's opposing us. I believe as the church embraces this reality of God being the great I am, we can see abortion on demand end. We can see drug trafficking and human trafficking end in our lifetime, in our culture. If we simply embrace the great I am, it will result in the demise of Satan's kingdom. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail over a church embracing the great I am revelation. Number four, the power to bind demonic agendas will be one of those benefits. He said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. How many know there's plenty to bind out there? And number five, Will, another benefit is the authority to loose heavenly provision. We'll begin to bear fruit as we loose his kingdom come, his will be done within our world. Verse 19 said, Wh- whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I believe there is an awakening coming to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ where we fully embrace the I am introduction that is going to loose everything God has promised for this last hour and he will pour his spirit out over all flesh and our our sons and daughters will prophesy. Our young men will see visions. Listen, he'll pour his spirit out on handmaids and servants, and the, the power of God will move like never before. Do you want it? Yes. Do you want it? Yes. Then we must embrace, fully embrace his I am introduction.